great. Let's get things started. So we're going to talk about the metaverse. Let's go on a journey here. So first, uh, if we can go around the room really quick and just do some introductions, uh, you know, introduce yourself, what you're working on, and then maybe a little bit about what, you know, what makes the, what your world unique and, and, and different and et cetera. So uh, Harish, let's start with you. Sure. Hey, um, it's great to be here. My name is Rish Lotlikar, co-founder and CEO of Superworld. Superworld is a virtual world mapped on top of the real world. And our focus is how do we enhance your real life? So whatever you're doing, whether it's your business, whether it's your a philanthropy, whether it's a sports team that you're you know playing on, how can we utilize technology like immersive tech, Web3 and AI and enable you to be a gateway to get into those technologies and use those to enhance your real life. And then ultimately, how can we build a decentralized virtual world together that we all own that actually positively enhances Earth and humanity? Can we use this technology for good? And that's what Superworld's all about. Awesome, Rish. Uh, Nicola. Hey, everyone. My name is Nicola. Um, I am the Chief Content Officer at The Sandbox. I joined The Sandbox this year after about 15 years in traditional uh, gaming. The Sandbox is uh, a leading uh, UGC metaverse powered by Web3, specifically by our token Sand, and uh, by our land, our avatar collections, and our NFT. Um, we want users to create, experience, build a new life. We have a lot of uh, prominent partners, over 150. Uh, that are uh, part of our metaverse. And we really believe in this cause, in true digital ownership, in advancing uh, the way we interact with entertainment and uh, in Web3. Dirk. Hello, hello everyone. Good morning, good evening. I don't know wherever you are. So my name is Dirk Lute. I'm co-founder, co-CEO of Upland. Like Rish, also we are mapped to the real world, but our approach is completely different. <laughs> so so um, we also call us a Web3 uh, platform uh, or Web3 gaming platform as such, right? So we said we are mapped to the real world. We're using blockchain, of course, but we started out as being inspired by Monopoly. But today, fast forward, we are actually a full uh, gaming platform. We can connect Web2 and Web3 applications to Upland. We're working with big brands like FIFA or the NFLPA. And um, of course, uh, we have a lot of creators also, uh, you know, in our ecosystem. I'm also chairman and uh, co-founder of the Open Metaverse Alliance for Web3, where Sandbox and Superworld are, you know, partners. Of course, uh, we are trying to build something, you know, which is really different from what we've seen in the Web2 world. And I'm sure we're going to talk about that a little bit later today. Awesome, awesome, Neo. Hey everyone, How, how's everyone doing? Um, yeah, great to be here. So working on something called Wilder World and Zero. Uh, Wilder World is sort of a next generation metaverse. It's really built on five principles. Uh, the first is hyper-realism. So really uh, trying to make things look and, and feel as real as possible with ne next generation graphics and animations and uh, immersive experiences, massive scales. So um, the first city that we're building is a city called Miami. Uh, we've used open source street data from actual Miami, and we've re used that to kind of recreate uh, something that's at the scale of an actual city. Um, so scale both in terms of, you know, the size of the actual initial world. It's about 10 and a half times the size of GTA 5, the first city that we're building, and um, but, but also massive scale in terms of mass player concurrency. So 
you know, thousands of players um, operating within a single single shard. Uh, everything's on chain. So um, our sister company, Zero, uh, we started in 2015 and uh, have been building a lot of sort of early primitives around NFTs, DAOs, uh, on-chain gameplay, um, different token primitives like bonding curves and, and things like that to enable us to really create a full virtual economy. So uh, the economy in the world is called Metropolis, and that is sort of you know how all the underlying uh, economic activity happens. Um, and then everything is community governed, so sort of DAO first. Um, there's already, I think, seven or eight core DAOs um, which are which are the sort of main governing bodies behind Wilder World, and there intends to be many more, and then uh, decentralized AI and sovereign AI, so basically player-owned AI. So, so we bring all those things together to kind of create this next-gen um, virtual experience. Awesome, awesome. All right, uh, Neo, I'm going to stick with you for a quick second. In a world where the metaverse becomes a primary space for human interaction, how might our concepts of like identity and community and relationships evolve? Like, how do you think about that? Well, for us, uh, it's interesting. We sort of, um, so my brother, Frank, I think he spoke earlier. Um, yeah. So he's, he's more on the digital art side. We got very, we were very early into digital art in sort of the early 2010s um, using a lot of the same processes today. And then um, myself has been more on the block blockchain side. So how we sort of got involved in the metaverse, um, the sort of the idea of the metaverse was really looking at it from sort of an artistic perspective, but then also looking at it like a societal systems perspective. And um, what we found was with, with a lot of these early crypto primitives, it's been really hard to sort of have them taken seriously in the real world. So you can imagine Think of us as like a startup trying to pitch DAOs in 2015 and, you know, how difficult that might have been. So what we learned very quickly was that um, it's just easier to move bits than than atoms. And if you think of, um, you know, all, this, all the problems we have in the existing world to iterate and to actually experiment on like new models of governance and new models of like, you know, universal basic income or whatever the idea is, is almost impossible at this point. Like the code base has so, been so corrupted that we sort of need a new substrate. And we really see the virtual world as, as being like um, a canvas where we can prototype all these different societal, you know, systems. And then that, that has the opportunity to feed back into IRL. So I'm not exactly sure how, how it will play out. Uh, I love that. Yeah. I think the, the big idea is that like, there's an open space to rapidly iterate. Yeah. Harish, let's go, let's go back to a little bit about the real world component to it. Like, how do you see the metaverse integrating or enhancing real world experiences versus, you know, a lot of people think of it as a, you're going to the metaverse to escape the real world. That's kind of the initial thought. It's this, it's this escape from your, your real life. How do you, you know, how do you see this convergence happening? Yeah, I think that's a, a, a great question. You know, the way that we look at the metaverse is it's really bringing together your physical life and your virtual life. The metaverse isn't this other place that you're going to necessarily. It is all around us. And, you know, we're already getting into it by the fact that we're doing many things digitally. We're doing many things physically. And COVID really showed us that 
that, you know, some people prefer to, you know, do a Zoom call as opposed to going to a location and meeting in person. And sometimes you want to meet in person. So we, we have this desire in our lives to do things physically. And sometimes, you know, we actually want to do things more virtually or digitally. And how we see the metaverse, especially with what we're working on at Superworld, is how can we enable you to optimize both of those types of experiences. In other words, if you are wanting to be able to have exposure to other places in the world, does that mean that you can own virtual real estate that's located in those areas, right? Can you be able to take advantage of all the growth that's happening in Dubai by owning virtual real estate and locations in Dubai? And can you be able to use that virtual real estate to actually click and visualize physical real estate that's being built there because you are a property developer as an example. If you think of what we're doing with the sports space, we've partnered with Sports Illustrated and they've added 250,000 live concerts, sporting and theater events to Superworld. So you could buy tickets to a Yankees game, but Drew, if you're a Yankees fan, you could buy that location where the Yankee stadium is and you would actually earn ticketing revenue in Superworld for that Yankees game, for the live Yankees game. So I'm showing you basically how a live event can actually draw monetization to a virtual location in that area. So we're able to geo-position monetization and you can do that live or virtually. And then, you know, we think of identity and other things that, you know, again, really can exist in, in real life. And we have personas that are physical and we have personas that might be more digital. And what we wanna do is provide a way for you to bring all of those things together that enhance your real life and be able to do things virtually when you want to and physically when you want to and be able to, again, be benefit from both, both of those experiences together. Yeah. Makes total sense. Dirk, you know, Hirsch mentioned something quick, quickly that was about how, you know, how people can earn while participating in a metaverse, which I think is a really important concept, um, is the ability to be able to participate, contribute, earn um, from, from the work or roles that you play. Can you talk a little bit about, like, you know, what kind of unique business opportunities do you foresee emerging, you know, from the metaverse? Like, like what, where do you, what do you see? Are there going to be a new suite of, of businesses that investors can invest in and, and that, and that creators can earn from? Like what, where do you see coming from the metaverse from a business perspective? Yeah, I think what is so important now is obviously since it's based on the blockchain, right? We're talking about two ownership and this really changes the paradigm, right? Because originally when everything was web two, you know, the operator could always take away stuff from you. So there was no, ownerships as such, right? So with that is now that we have now lots of opportunities, which, you know, the whole real world is actually representing as such, right? I can give you an example. So in Upland, what we have is what we call meta ventures. So our users become can become entrepreneurs. We call ourselves also the entrepreneurial metaverse. And um, they can, first of all, you know, as I mentioned, we have partnerships with NFLPA or FIFA. They can 
buy those assets and then maybe create their shop in the virtual world and then resell those assets. So that's the, was the first step. But now, of course, the next step is that now you become a creator in Upland. That means uh, you create also additional assets. You know, we have people who are creating virtual swimming pools or garden fences, what have you, right? And they're selling those to other players, right? So that's one piece or one example how people can eventually make money. But it goes much further than this. To give you another example is what we have in Upland is we have a full car economy, what we call it. So we have actually car racing. And now just think about it. So we're going to work with car brands, right? So they can introduce cars, virtual cars. For them, it's a little bit advertising, but eventually making money also, because obviously they have strong brands. But then we have other players in Upland who then become, you know, like a dealership owner. So they're going to start and selling or reselling those cars, making money from it. Then you have others in the car racing who are creating racetracks. So the racetrack designers making money. Then the cars get damaged. Then you have people who are repairing the cars. So you get the idea. So this is a whole economy around uh, you know, items which, you know, which we have right now more in the virtual world, but eventually this goes then also into the real world, of course, once the devices are here. And I do think that is the most exciting part, uh, where we will create a lot of, you know, wealth beyond just speculation. Yep, yep. Uh, Nicole, real quick, uh, you know, to, to piggyback on that, you know, a lot of what we're building here across, you know, any and all metaverses is the infrastructure and the platform for people to create. Now, you were, you know, as you introduced Sandbox, you talked about it being very user generated, UGC focused. What have you guys learned from the early behaviors of users that are creating within Sandbox? What do they want? What do they desire? What are they imagining? That like you know that that they want to build for the met in the metaverse like what because you're you know you're seeing this in real time right now. Yeah, at this stage, they still want freedom and creativity more than anything, right? Like especially coming from very established uh, 2.0 game business, I thought everybody was in here for the money. It's not true. I'm finding that the users that are in Web three in metaverse, they want to create, they want to forge bonds they want to make unique things and and invent and that is beautiful um they want to be heard uh and that's why it's so important in our industry to hear the feedback talk connect and they want us to build based on that feedback so it's really while while companies lead the metaverse the users are an essential part of how this metaverse is built and the ugc is not only we're going to give you the tools and you're going to create is also we're going to give you the tools you're going to create and then we're going to build and adapt accordingly so i'm yeah. really trying to implement that in how i work with my creator community now understood understood neil let's uh i want, I want to talk quickly about the like where where we are today and I think where the people in, in general public have this vision of a metaverse, you know, I think Ready Player One comes to mind and, you know, there's immersive worlds where we can have an, uh, have a full avatar and identity and, and really lose ourselves and, and actually have an, another place to build a, almost like a, another version of ourselves and, and, and operate in that society as well as our, as well as the physical society. It allows us to almost have parallel lives in a way. But what is the, what are the technological advancements necessary for us to reach the potential of an immersive metaverse experience, like, for, and, and what, how far away are we from that leap? Like, what is that leap? Yeah, the way that I think about it is there's, I kind of classify metaverse into two, two categories, because I think people, I think a lot of different projects are using the term and, and people have different ideas of what the term means, but yeah. I classify it into 
metaverse with small M and metaverse with big M. And so metaverse with small M, I'd say we're kind of already experiencing. It's some hybrid of, you know, um, Frisch mentioned Zoom and, you know, how we're having these, you know, different experiences. And then what happens with blockchain and interoperability is there starts to be an economic component. So there starts to be a component where people can actually own and people can make decisions in these networks. Uh, crypto Twitter is a sort of like small M, you know, metaverse. You can kind of feel uh, you can kind of feel it coming together um, from that perspective. And I think there's a lot of folks that are actually building you know, infrastructure where they, they're really talking about interoperability at a social and a financial layer, which are very important aspects of reality. They're not the, you know, uh, visual, visual sort of eye candy elements of rea reality, but in terms of our like, you know, Maslow's hierarchy or whatever, they're, they're very pertinent. Um, but the metaverse with Big M is more um, what I imagine to be what people actually think about when they think of metaverse. And I, what I think they're imagining is a fully persistent, you know, large scale universe without loading screens and, you know, with extremely high fidelity graphics um, and social interactive social experiences through virtual reality and these types of things. Um, I think Metaverse with small m is already here and, you know, a lot of us are working on it and contributing in different, different ways. Um, and the Metaverse with big M brings up some pretty significant challenges around interoperability because generally when people use the term interoperability, they're they're talking about interoperability within their own ecosystem or within their own standards. And where it gets very difficult is when you have to have interoperability between adversarial parties and people that don't necessarily, you can see that happening in blockchain right now where all the blockchains are fracturing and we're kind of going back to like, you know, traditional tribalism. And um, I think overcoming that is a, is a real challenge on both a technological level, but also at a social level, you could think of it almost something needing there to be something like the the U you know some alternative form of the UN or something like that 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 needs to be created that can bring everybody together and can align incentives. Um, I, I think that the real technical challenges are making interoperability at the level of blockchains is relatively straightforward, but when you're operating within a virtual world, you're operating within a computationally bound, highly constrained environment. And I think that um, a lot of the discussions and systems out there on interoperability today, they kind of, I don't think they fully consider the difficulties in, in having to have all these different game engines work together for the big M. Totally, totally. Um, Nicola, I was gonna quickly ask you about the, what do you think about the tokens role in powering the economy of a metaverse? Um, you know, especially with Sand and uh, and you guys having a lot of experience now with with tokens intersecting in the economy. Like, where where do you think about when you think about the tokens' role in your in the future of Sandbox? Um, you know, how do you how do you view it? I view it as uh, encompassing more and more metaverse with the smaller with the, the lowercase M, as Neil was saying, into the same token, and that is a. I wouldn't say easy because nothing is easy in this in this industry, but a, a straightforward way to start building towards the capital M. Uh, essentially, the way the, the easiest way to explain metaverse that I'm using is a, a platform of platform. If I'm starting to have now, if if all of our metaverses were under the same token, under similar rules, well, how much easier would it be to really have interoperability? How much easier would it be to have players moving seamlessly from one voxel world to an hyper-realistic world. So I think the tokens are really a means to an end, and that, that end is getting 
all the users close, close by and having them easily transfer from one place to the other. Yeah, that makes total sense. Uh, Harish, I, you know, I think it was really interesting that, you know, like TikTok has become such an influential, uh, has, played, has had such an influence on commerce and how social drives commerce. You know, what do you think commerce will look like in the metaverse? Like in, in and, 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 you know, like where, where do you think that commerce will shine in the metaverse? Because we've really seen some interesting uh, developments now with social playing a role in commerce. And I'm, I'm curious how you think the metaverse will play a role in that. Yeah, I think that's a, a, a really, um, you know, interesting uh, development here that we see, you know, commerce go from very static types of elements to, you know, TikTok being very, you know, much uh, natively video and being able to click and, and do commerce from those videos. And I think you're going to see that become even more immersive, right? So, you know, the, how we see it in Superworld is, you know, anyone can create their own world. And what we mean by that is that's a virtual filter covering Earth. So if I want to go to New York or London or Paris in the real world, and I want to know, Drew, you know, what is it that you want me to see there? Or, you know, what does Redbeard Ventures want me to learn about when I go to New York on my next trip? Maybe it's a portfolio company. Maybe it's a restaurant that you want me to visit or a store that you want me to go inside and, and shop. So I can go into these environments in a real world setting. So I can walk down the street and visualize things, but I can also, from my desktop, be on the other side of the world and go inside of your world and go into New York or go into that store and be able to visualize and shop. And my activities in your world, right, which is an overlay over Earth, enable you to benefit. So you're making money from my interactions, not only from your videos, right? You can put videos in real world locations, but actually I'm in a, an environment where all of my interactivity is benefiting you. And I'm able to, again, on the data and analytics side, be able to understand what users are doing in a physical environment as well as a virtual environment. So I think the answer to that is, you know, we went from very static elements to video and TikTok, and we're gonna go even more immersive. But the beauty of this is we're gonna be able to do that in the physical world. So where you're walking down Fifth Avenue and you're able to shop from someone's, you know, an influencer's perspective of what they want you to see on Fifth Avenue and stores they, they want you to go and shop in, but also to be able to do that virtually. If you're sitting in Dubai and you want to go to New York and do the same thing, you can do it on your on your on your desktop screen or on your mobile screen and be able to visualize those things. So that's what's going to be so exciting is we're going to be able to really create worlds that that your audience can visualize through your eyes and be able to interact in those worlds. Yeah, super interesting. Dirk, how uh, you, know, you guys have had a lot of um, success, like in traction with working with brands and getting brands involved in in the in this in the metaverse and in the you know the Web three economy. You know, tell me like what's been like their what is their desires? What are their responses and perspectives? And what are they looking for out of their role in 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 a, in a metaverse environment from your interaction? Oh. So. Yeah. So first of all, of course, you know, 
in terms of Web two, you know, we are Web three, right? In terms of Web two, we're still small, right? There's no how. Oh, of course, that, right? Of course. Roblox has, I mean, 60, 70 million daily active users. We're not there yet, mm -hmm. right? So we should not forget that. So then brands approach us in a different way. They approach us basically in uh, try to experiment, right? Because the way they potentially uh, connect to their customers in the future is going to be very different. We all know, right, that TV is, you know, dying more and more at one hand, so they're reaching less customers there. But also social media has this issue these days, right? More and more people are spending, when you look at, you know, kids, you know, they're spending one, two hours, you know, a day on Roblox these days, right? So, so the brands want to understand now, how do I connect to actually to now the audiences and, you know, eventually, engage with them and the way we see it is actually um so first of all they experiment but they brands will start to understand that web3 means also somehow co-ownership right so for instance that you share parts of your brand right with your customers and they create new something new around it which then eventually leads to potential sales then in the real store so what i mean with that is so, so let's say you're nike or whatever i pick you now a random example right and you allow now your the users to create also some shoes which have you know the logo on it in a certain way maybe there needs to be of course be approval right but now the users can sell those right but now they're making advertisement for you and this is probably you know the way it's going to be that um, that is what Web3 is about, this co-ownership approach. And I think that's what brands are trying to understand. But there's lots of other aspects that I don't think we have the time to go through yeah. all that. But, you know, I got to touch on this before because I know we're running out of time here, but I really wanted to hit this topic. AI, I think, is one of the most is going to be one of the more impactful technologies uh, across the blockchain space. And you and, I, you and I have had some late night conversations about AI's role and, and how we think about it. Can you talk a little bit about how you think about AI's role in the metaverse and, and how you think of it as part of your infrastructure and your stack? Yeah, it's, it's very interesting, obviously, because if you look at something like Unreal, I mean, it's quite an old engine, even though that they've been continually updating it. So I would say that it's, it's sort of the current paradigm but what's going to happen on what I believe will happen on the journey to the metaverse is that the paradigm will actually shift. So, you know, think about moving from like desktop to um, to mobile or, you know, the Internet or crypto or whatever. So amidst all these companies, including us that are that are working towards building the metaverse, um, you're going to see a major platform change. And I think it's going to take us all by surprise. So um, including someone like Epic, which is now like the 800 pound gorilla. Right. <clears throat> so. Um, if you look at a lot of the stuff coming out of NVIDIA and other, other words, where if you just kind of take um, mid-journey, for instance, and you just kind of extend that out several years, it's not hard to imagine going from photos to videos to fully explorable, traversable 3D worlds. There's stuff coming out about reskinning games and all these things. So <clears throat> what I do, what I believe is that the sort of AI side of it will almost be commoditized and the game engine side of it will almost be commoditized because in say five to 10 years, you're going to be able to just create whatever virtual world you can kind of imagine. Um, and where I think things will go is more to things like place, things like social graph, things like, um, you know, asset ownership and meaningfulness. And so I do think the blockchain is going to kind of be the place where a lot of what gets generated with AI will get captured. Um, and so, um, so yeah, I think important to like everyone working on Metaverse also be kind of hedging and making sure that you're building uh, generative AI systems. And we're actually, <clears throat> this is an interesting 
sort of topic we could take offline, but we are working on this generative 3D AI system that we're thinking of open sourcing. And we're using a lot of our synthetic data creation in Wilder World to, to generate that system because we were like, huh, if we could all be using the same system, we could probably really accelerate the development of a system like that. And it's in everybody's interest who's working on the um, metaverse to accelerate the development of an AI system like this, and which could kind of be like a counter to open AI, a uh, decentralized counter to open AI. So that is a conversation we're really interested in having with other, other folks like the, the group, the folks on this call which could be really interesting. All right, well, I, I have a takeaway. I'm gonna open up a, a thread for, for, the, for the group here because um, yeah, there's definitely some opportunities to learn from each other and, and uh, support each other and also kind of be on the same path as we all push forward. Because I, I do believe there's only one metaverse. I think there's the metaverse, like the internet, not my social network like we've been in the past. So I think the more interoperable the world is, the better. Um, so uh, yeah, guys. I wish I could do more of this, but um, <laughs> I, I want to thank you guys all for joining. This was a, a really uh, great, a powerful panel, uh, great group of people. Um, super excited to see you guys all continue to progress. Um, and uh, we'll be following along and watching. Thanks so much, everybody. This has been a Red Beard Ventures production.